1: Okay, the low man popping into the
2: frame. You know, oh, dude, you know who you look like. You look like Daryl Hall.
1: (laughs) I love that guy.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Literally With Me, Robbie Lowe. Today is a first. The first person that we have asked back. For his second appearance, Dana Carvey—he's always been the best guest on every show. Um, Dana and I go way back, and it, it, whenever I talk to him, I, I feel like it's over in two seconds, um, no matter how long it is, because he's such a funny guy. Also, Dana has a new podcast called The Weird Place. It uh, just came out, um, and it's very weird. It is—it's a weird—it's a weird place, hence the title. But you'll—you'll you'll hear more about that in a moment. So here is for the second time, Dana Carvey. You look like Daryl Hall, live from Daryl's barn or whatever the hell that show. Oh, I you ever see watch that, that, that show?
1: All the time. No, that guy's that guy's got the, a youth machine or something with Todd Rundgren and oh, uh, Kenny Loggins. The yeah.
2: Todd Rundgren one is insane.
1: Yes, because Todd can sing like an angel, and so can Daryl, and they just like go back and forth. It's like, what really? Come on,
2: That's so good. I was talking
1: previously. What was I talking
2: about? Shatner. We were yeah. talking about Shatner. There's nothing he probably hasn't experienced and he's 90 and so full of vigor and like excitability and, uh, and, and, and grinding, like working like a, just a dog and loving it.
1: It makes no sense. Cause I asked him, P- please explain this because he doesn't have an old man's voice. Nope. He's got a young man's voice. He's got a young man's strength. His, he's so articulate and is and poetic. It's like, how is this happening? Because you would think he put on a couple pounds, you know, or something. You know, it's not like he's a fitness freak. Or no, it just doesn't even make sense. But he's so fun to talk to.
2: Talk about old man voice. It makes me think of, <laughs> like, you know where I'm at. It, it it's the it's it's like you look at Joe Biden, ah. and then you look at Shatner. I thought of. I was thinking of your Joe Biden is. It's it's become another day cl- in a Dana classic, right? I remember when you were first doing it, but it's renowned at this point, I think.
1: I'm I'm still evolving it. I felt that when he first came out, it was Sleepy Grandpa Joe. You yes. know, and that was that hook. My dad lost his job, no joke. Right. Not getting around here. And with, a, with anybody who becomes president, that's next level fame absorption. So it takes a while for the public to get used to the hooks. But then somewhere last summer... Maybe it was, I don't know, six months in, he started to whisper and yell. And so that became it. Because, but first, he was just so come on, folks, just number one, the one part. Number two, what the guy said, you know the drill. Number three, come on, folks, that guy. And yeah, then it yeah. was like, and I always end this because I like to abstract things and make myself laugh. Yeah. It always ends with Pirates of the Caribbean. So it's kind of like this. He goes, well, it's time for, you know, the rich got to pay their fair share of society and share with the Sharon Stone, a tombstone, a, 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 a pirate, a, a black, a, a pirate, scare man. <laughs> I know how to talk loud. I'm not, not afraid to talk loud. That's what he's saying. You know, he's like the old man in the neighborhood. Your ball went in his yard. You can't have it. But this is what we're doing. Come on. We can make less inflation. The people, the flight, 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 ball, beach, ball, 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 have a ball, Lucille, ball, the pirate, a pirate, man. So it's become a fun character,
2: and and what they're saying about my son, what he does, what he what he the things in his nose that he put—it's the cola, the, the 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 cola, the cola in his nose, the, the coke. He,
1: <laughs> he in fact did not. I know. He did. Come, Come on, on, folks. He says this. Uh, That's the problem problems to threaten the document parts parks care So, <laughs> it's uh. I don't know. I mean, it's like a hot oven, as I say. Like it's it's such a toxic political thing. But I do. I walk my way through all the presidents, make sure they know I make fun of all of them. And, yeah. you know, I have a new Trump hook that makes me laugh. Oh, give me a gimme, gimme. Well, here's the thing is we had James Austin Powers Johnson on, by the way, mm-hmm.
2: his Trump talking about Weird Al Yankovic. Yes, that old stuff. And and the old stuff, and talking about Scooby-Doo. He doesn't do, he does very little. It's a very bad deal. Scooby does not (laughs) advance the plot. He does not, it's amazing.
1: So I sat with him for 45 minutes, and when I was doing him in 2016, it was mostly everyone was doing just the smooth guy. You know, people worry about glaciers. I know how to make glaciers. I can make a lot of glaciers. I'll take all the ice from the Trump Hotel. I'll put a put them on the Carnival cruise ship. They're friends of mine. You know, it was that thing. When I sat with him, I noticed I'd seen it with others as he put in Trump later got this thing here, you know. So now I I realize that Trump never stops, even if he's run out of a subject matter. He he sounds like he's pitching a family vacation to me. We're going to be doing a lot of things, let me tell you. And you're going to love him. And everybody's going to be talking about it. We're going to be going places like you wouldn't believe in him. Many people say, no, we don't want to go there, but we're going to go there. We're going to go everywhere, and we're going to have a good time. (laughs) And Donald Trump Jr. is going, are we going to Disneyland? You're going to see a lot of things. I can promise you that. I can tell you that. Let me tell you, you're going to be happy. Everyone's going to be happy. Everyone's talking about it. So that is like a little new poem for me. But I got it. I got the guttural thing from James. (laughs) His is like this perfect Jazz—it's like musical. You could listen to it for like twenty minutes, just.
2: And he plays the accordion, and it's no one knows how he does it. Weird Al—he figured it out. He's—he <laughs> got a lot of money. I don't know how much money he's got. Maybe more than me. I don't know, but he figured it out. Weird Al. That—that yes,
1: that actually is pretty good, Rob. <laughs> you, have, you have an ear.
2: That's not bad. I mean, I—I I urge you out there. Google James Austin Johnson, Trump, Scooby Doo.
1: Yeah, Weird Al. And, Yankovic.
2: And whatever. Weird the Weird Owl. He plays the accordion. No one yeah no no one ever got he figured it out. Nobody plays the accordion, but he does it. <laughs> and I don't know why.
1: He plays it like you wouldn't and believe And it sounds it. really he crazy. You think he's weird, but he's not. He can play it like you wouldn't believe. And he, he's, he's gonna play it a lot. And everybody knows it you
2: know. <laughs> Coolio was not very nice to Weird Al.
1: <laughs> See there's Trump I always thought he has like three hundred hooks. Yeah, yeah hundred another one. You were nice, and now you're not so nice. He's not a nice guy. He wasn't very <laughs> nice. You know? He has it's an amazing collage of hooks, but I love it when someone comes on. I've chatted with him on the phone. I was I never I just said I was in awe of this Trump. He's a very nice guy, and he's just in that that seat again. You know, on SNL. Yep, that is the hot seat for you know political impressions. But here's
2: my here's my hot take know. on it. Ready for this? And Yo, I don't hey, know the
1: hot take, hot take, you need hot,
2: to say take, hot, take hot take. Here it comes. I don't think he's as funny on SNL doing Trump. I just don't, and I think it's the writing. I feel like he's not able to do his weird, mm-hmm. like bizarre. Well, it's it's like Trump talking about Weird Al is genius. Ta- yeah. Trump have a Scooby Doo. There's something about. I, I I don't know. I, I've, I tuned in so excited because he's my favorite Trump impersonator. And I was like, mm, and, I, and I think it's the writing. It has to be.
1: Well, it is. It's a tricky thing because, uh, as you know, when you're kind of new to it, being a, a former host, it's like a three ring circus. There's all this noise and energy, and throughout the week.
2: You know, Dana, the first time you host, it's like you don't know you're hosting. The second time you host, it's like being shot <laughs> out of a cannon. The third time, there's no cannon, but you still feel like you're being shot. The fourth, nobody hosts four times, so you move to the fifth time. The fifth time you host.
1: <laughs> Lord, I recently saw him, and he was like, um, I came in when television started, and I'll probably go out when it, it ceases to exist. <laughs> Because he's right. I mean, it's kind of slowly becoming something else. It's true. But I just told James to, as much as he could, find writers and sit with them before the sketch is hatched. So your rhythms are incorporated into it. But they gave him some pretty cool stuff. But to get it to the point where he's freelancing on the sidewalk with the phone and he's just going for two minutes with no interruptions that's that's more difficult so they give them a little bit and they're usually usually their political uh openings have multiple sets and multiple characters so we'll see what happens I mean when I was doing Bush senior do you remember that
2: oh no I'm saying you you look, talk about the writing you, you just it eventually it was just gibberish
1: oh yeah nah god dad. but it was the audience took the ride with me and I kept extrapolating it and um I remember at one point because my point was, is that I was generally most of the time in a lockdown, cold opening one shot. Mm-hmm. So I remember saying to myself, when I was really connecting with the audience, I said, the cue cards are just suggestions. <laughs> because ah. w- what happens is, is that when the script is too long, and I'd say to Al Franken or Jim Dow, guys, you got to cut words out because I feel like I, I'm doing homework. I've got to get through this, you know, so they would cut it down a bit. But eventually I could just do it down down there, you know, like that. Do you want can I insert one thing that you must have a lot of things like this, but it blew my mind. Tell me. So John and I are playing Las Vegas. Right. And he goes to a party at whatever place. And he he meets um, Gene Kelly's widow. The Gene Kelly. The
2: Gene singing in the rain. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And she's like, oh, you're working with Dana. Well, make sure you tell him that he was Gene's favorite. And when Dana would come on as George Bush, Gene would, Gene would say, quiet, everybody. Dana's on. I mean, you probably have something. It's like, oh. wait, Gene Kelly was saying my name. Oh, my
2: God. You know? Quiet, so the, everybody. Dana's on.
1: I know. You got. You have must have oh. those six degrees of separation. But that's weird part of our existence. But shut up, everyone. Dana's going. <laughs> oh, that is my... weird, wild stuff.
2: That's, that's weird. You know, how much did, did Johnny Carson, did he, did, somebody was telling me that he, that if you go back and look at the old Carsons, that there's a lot of Coke references in it, like, like thinly veiled.
1: I know that he did a lot of funny cigarettes with the band, you know, that thing, yes. smoking funny cigarettes. Probably. I, um I, my wife and I had a trainer, in the 1990s in LA and she was really nice and whatever her, she, she was probably 45 at the time. Her nickname was the body she said. So she was very pretty and fit. Yeah. And she dated Johnny for about six months. Wow. So, um, she had said that, yeah, he, he never, he always was sober when he would do the show, but he liked grasshoppers. And he would get a little nasty, and he'd want to drive, and she'd give me the keys. No, you know, you know that whole thing I must have done last time. Johnny being pulled over for drunk driving—it's <laughs> the, it's the absolute best. Oh, sorry, officer, I didn't know I was swerving. I had two slippery monkeys at the hook and crook. You know, that's just like makes my brain happy.
2: Give me, give me a, wh- and then that afterwards he went to Alan Hale's Lobster Barrel because that always made me laugh.
1: <laughs> I had two tomato boom booms at uh, Alan Hale's Lobster Roll. Or Lobster Barrel, was it?
2: It was really, a, it was an that actual restaurant. It was the restaurant. skipper, right? It uh, was the yeah. skipper from, mm-hmm. I remember being a kid and coming to LA, 13 years old, and and just thinking the height of show business success was that Alan Hale, the skipper, had a <laughs> restaurant on La Siena called Alan Hale's Lobster Barrel. <laughs> Do you remember Carol O'Connor's Ginger Man?
1: No, was that a restaurant as well? That or was in Beverly Hills.
2: Carol O'Connor's Ginger Man.
1: Wow.
2: How come you could, you didn't never have a restaurant? Or me. I don't know.
1: Mickey Rooney had like 10 million ideas. Mickey Rooney, French fries. like, I was, you know, I got to get, I'm doing Johnny now. Yeah. I was the number one star in the world. You hear me? Bang. The world. He was, yeah, he had a lot of Mickey's burgers or whatever. Um, this is kind of, can I do, can I swear on the show? Yes. I know I can. But Mickey one time, he's doing a big improv thing with everybody. No, oh, this and that. He's holding court, me and Nathan Lander there. I have an idea of a a show where everybody's name is a swear word. you know, oh, really, Mickey? How would that go? Good morning, Mrs. Puck. How are you? Your son shit? you know he just went on he's <laughs> just blue, like, what? What? Nathan's looking at me <laughs> anyway that that's a movie in itself. No, I never opened a restaurant, you know
2: I mean, I think you missed your car. Co- I don't know that was clearly a celebrity thing for a while. I remember. Yes. They wanted me to open a thing called a, the Mulholland Cafe. It opened in New, York, in New York. It was there for a while. The Mulholland. It was like, it was like you know, Patrick Swayze's investing. I was like, well, Swayze's investing. You know it's going to be <laughs> huge. Um, I, I, I don't know how that became. No, I don't think there are any more celebrity restaurants.
1: No, I don't need think to bring those a back. bit. There's hard to make a profit. I I would do Church Lady Hot Sauce or something yes. online. Sin juice or something, you know, now. that kind of thing. It's the only thing I own. Let's hear it. Well, well, well. Well,
2: well, well. Isn't that special? It's not bad.
1: Well, it's, it, it always, co- it just comes from that patronizing, well, Rob Lowe. He's in his house in Santa Barbara. He likes to do the podcast. It's not even a put down, it's just the <laughs> attitude it's like, something wrong or illicit? You know, I,
2: I, I hate meeting people like that. We're like, so I don't really, I don't really watch much stuff that comes out of Hollywood.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen you much lately. Are you all right? You know, like, what? yeah yeah, yeah. put downs. That's the one thing they'll never take away from you. You had that.
2: You know, like, yeah. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not really a big TV person.
1: <laughs>
2: like, well, great. Thanks. Thank you for that.
1: I know you get that too. Little, you know, little I don't,
2: subtle. you know, I don't really want, you know, my wife, she loves that stuff, but I, I'm just not really. Well, a, what like, I
1: get now that I'm in my eighth, decade of show business essentially you know my kids really love you they're gonna and they're like seven i go what why are my fans born in 2014 my kids they never say they like me they're like they're six my grandkids they love
2: you well how about this which is i get oh my god my grandma loves you
1: yeah that's the other way to go
2: but you know what is great in all she's like When I do my one-man show, one of the things I love about it is I look out in the audience and I go, those are the people that have been with me. These are my my people. And you Mm -hmm. know what? My people are literally seventh graders who have just seen The Outsiders. Right. All the way up to 80-year-old grandmas. Well, you know, no two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas, vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activity allow for such an infinite number of different travel experiences. I mean, I love Texas. I go like this. The people of Dallas, the culture of Austin. And I love any time I get there. If you're a beach person, well, you can go have fun in the sun with Texas, 350 miles of coastline. If you're a rugged vacation type, there's campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, Golf is nuts there. Foodies. You got your Texas barbecue and live music in Austin. And of course, if you're into the cowboy scene, you can certainly find it there. And now Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom trip matched to their own unique interests. So visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours.
0: Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch Subject to credit approval Terms apply Sofas, recliners, love seats Everything is better in leather Discover the new leather collection at Ashley Where bold meets durable And Wait a minute Who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay Leather is easy to clean The new leather collection at Ashley Is built with the durability you need for the whole family Yes, pets too Luxury is meant to be livable Shop chairs starting at 499.99 and sofas at 599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.
1: We were talking earlier before you got on the Zoom, just about this idea of living long enough to have this be a job of just now I'm, you know, I'm talking to you mm-hmm. and we're just talking because. I was trained to kill. I had to kill in the clubs or Mm -hmm. I, you know, the middle act always wanted to knock me off. Took me a while to get up there. On SNL, I always felt like I had to kill or I'd be shown the door. And so this authenticity thing is new to me. Like I can be real and I can be myself, be a little funny, whatever. And it's just, you know, I I was saying if Steve Allen or Sid Caesar or, you know, I don't know, pick somebody. Harvey Korman, if they'd had podcasts, they would have loved it. They just weren't around for this technology.
2: Oh, can you imagine the Harvey Corman? Co- Again, well, I don't know why I'm on this thing of defunct LA restaurants and bars.
1: Harvey Corman's pizza joint, or what no? Was
2: Harvey Corman <laughs> at the Farmer's Daughter. Really? The farmer's Daughter was the name. Was the bar across from CBS Television City?
1: And it was Harvey Corman's Farmer's Daughter.
2: No, no, it was just okay. the Farmer's Daughter, but, but that's where he? Harvey got oh. blottoed. Oh, I (laughs) before and after every Carol Burnett show.
1: You know, speaking of drinking, it was it's very interesting how open that was, even when I first was in television, you know, when I would do Blue Thunder, like the crew would go out. I did a movie called Road to Wellville and the crew was all Irish. And then at lunchtime, they would go have like, I don't know, 10 Guinnesses Mm -hmm. and come back and the entire Place was wait it was a lot more politically correct to walk over in burbank to walk across the street have a couple highballs uh james Farentino would go over there and stuff and then go back and get in the fake helicopter <laughs> you know which i got fired from in front of the crew like like branded like chuck connors and branded
2: why did they why did they fire you from from uh, the blue thunder is the tv series version of the roy scheider john baddam movie Yes.
1: And it was a complete debacle and a shit show. I don't know why they cast me. Uh, I got the job. I auditioned and I drove back to Northridge those days. And they go, come back. You're in the finals. You know, so Mm -hmm. I went back. I got the job. And then James, uh, God rest his soul, I think. (laughs) (laughs) He had a little bit of a I mean, in the chopper, there was a styrofoam cup like 12 ounces so he would get out. I thought it was water, straight vodka on the rocks.
0: Wow.
1: And then come back with, you know, lots of white powder coming out, you know. Amazing. And he would call me at night. You know, what are they saying about me? What are they, what are they? you know, he's just blasted, you know. And one time Bubba Smith and Dick Buckus, he was the NFL a NFL
2: Amazing stars. actors. Bubba yeah. Smith, Dick Brilliant Buckus. Brilliant
1: actors. But Bubba Smith was six eight. you know, whatever. Yeah. So he finally kind of said to James, hey, man, you know. What are you doing? You know, and James kind of got at him a little bit, like sort of like gave him shit. Oh, no. And then Bubba six eight two eight just put his hands out. Take any piece you want. You know, I'm just watching that.
2: Take any piece you want.
1: So we were up in a fake helicopter. I don't know if you've probably done this in your career, but and they blow the steam at us and jump us around. And I was in the back and he'd say, jam them, Chaffo Jam and my lines would be like, I am jamming. I am jamming, you know. So I was terrible, but they got me in the get up. They put me in the chopper. We ran a scene and then it's like, hey, so James Ferentino, he's in the bag. Hey, they want to say something to you. So they're going like, to come down the ladder. The whole crew's there. Well, you're we're, you're, you're fired, basically. <laughs> you're fired. You're fired. Get out of here. Yeah. James so I,
2: Ferentino fired you?
1: No, but I he, he clearly knew I was getting fired. Oh. So he had a little smile on his face. Didn't really matter. I ended up, you know, he was... But I walk in front of the whole crew, humiliated. And then the wardrobe guy's there, super nice, and he's feeling bad. And I was doing the clubs in those days and starting to get a following. And I go, and I was a little upset, even though I wanted out badly. This was just, you know, 30000 a month, basically, in those days. I mean, I was like, uh, I, I do stand-up. I, I'm actually kind of funny. And he put his hand on my shoulder and was kind of like, sure, kid. Good luck, kid, like that kind of thing. And then I ran into him like in '93 after seven years of SNL. He's like,
0: "Damn, you were right! What the
1: fuck?" So, That's
2: amazing.
1: But you must have been fired and in a helicopter at some point. You I was were fired, never fired.
2: I've never been fired in show business yet, um, but I was been fired from every actual job I ever had. I was fired <laughs> from the Ma- from the Malibu Cinema um, because I was a popcorn boy. I was 15, and all I really did was chase around the two girls that worked there. Holly Robinson, Pete, wonderful actor. Wow. And um, another girl. And, and we would always, like, make out behind the Slurpee machine. And eventually I did get promoted to um, putting the reels together. It was a platter system. Like, they weren't actually reels, they platters. And I, I put the movie on in the wrong order. <laughs> and that was – apparently not supposed to show – the movie in the wrong order. Who know? And I was fired on the spot, but um, fired from being a busboy at the Nantucket Light. But there's a restaurant theme going here. I don't know what's happening, Um, which is now Nobu. Nobu in Malibu Mm
0: -hmm.
2: is the old Nantucket Light. Fired from that. Um, Fired from my newspaper route. I mean, it's a good thing I made it in show business because I I have no other skills to offer anybody.
1: Yeah, newspaper. I did one of those in that 4 a.m. thing. It was kind of surreal. I think I was in seventh grade. Out there when it's pitch black, mm. throwing the papers, it was sort of a little scary and exciting at the same time. But
2: throwing I was the paper, a, I was,
1: like, <laughs> off yeah, the doors. That was kind of nice. Hit them hard. I was a dishwasher. That was the one where at the holiday end during the rush hour, the guy came back every 20 minutes. You still want to do the job? Because everyone had quit. Mm. Everyone had quit. Because one dishwasher, and they it, it was a Hobart 3000. It was mm. like 100 degrees back there. Tons of dishes just piling in to the point where I couldn't take a food break. So I would eat off the t- t- plates and I had cuts and bruises. And, you know, that, oh, was that my sounds awful. Job. It was awful. Then I got to be a busboy. So that was that was a dream. And then a waiter. I put down the apron. When did you make a living as an actor?
2: Fifteen. And then didn't work and thought it was over and then got the outsiders on my. Well, I, I turned, I turned eighteen on the set of Outsiders, and then that was that was it. That was it. I'll
1: give you an Oprah question: If you could go back and say something to eighteen-year-old Rob, what would you say? I'm sorry, you have to answer that. I know, I
2: and Oprah. By the way, Oprah is so funny. She's she's done the show and she's amazing.
1: Oh, like, she's brilliant. Yeah, she's
2: no doubt she, about it. Yeah. So, but but she does hit you with those questions.
1: um make you think
2: all the yeah. time.
1: Yeah. Prenially She's very probing. She's got that yeah. that thing. Um,
2: yeah, what would I tell myself? Did I ever tell you at the time I met John Belushi when I was 15? No. Kermit the Frog <laughs> was hosting the Tonight Show. Perfect. It was a very famous and it was like when before Johnny started having lots of hosts, Kermit was the host. And he um we knew that some people who worked Uh, you know in the muppets so we went and Mm -hmm. watched it and anyway backstage at the tonight show after kermit is hosting is belushi for no i still don't know why he was there to this day and i was in awe right i mean this is this is right at the height yeah it's probably i'm gonna say this is 76 77 yeah so he's a rock star rock star Yeah. yeah and um brilliant i'm i'm a little kid. I'm probably the only little kid in backstage and he's staring at me. Probably wondering what's this little kid doing here. And I'm looking at him and I was, I had lots of huts, but I just walked right up to him, put out my hand. I said, hello, Mr. Belushi. My name is Rob. And he goes, Hey kid. And he was super, super nice, super friendly. He goes, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, that's when I said, I want to be an actor. And he just clouded over And then, and then leaned down to me, got right in my face and said, stay out of the clubs. Huh. Is that the craziest? When you think about what would I have told my younger self? Belushi told my younger self, stay out of the clubs.
1: Stay out of the clubs. So he meant clubs, not comedy clubs. Just stay out of the bar scene. That's what he
2: meant. Yeah. Stay out of the clubs.
1: And he's telling you at 15. At 15. Wow. I
2: clearly looked like I was about to go to, you know, on the rocks. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't think so. I mean, you just, uh, whenever you stopped, you put down the sauce. I mean, you, you had no, no, uh, no damage from it. No. Cause you can't look this good <laughs> if you were, you know.
2: I know that's what people always say is like, you know, when you stopped doing all that stuff 32 years ago and, mm-hmm. and you, you think about, and you same for, same for you, you've, you, you haven't, don't drink at all. Do you? A uh, little bit,
1: but I'm very controlled about it. You know, sure. a, couple, a couple light beers.
2: Oh, I've seen you lit, Cardi. I'm blasted
1: rem- right now. But I did realize I had a relationship with it that I had to watch it. I, I would not, like, have, like, alcohol in my house. You know, I, I, I it's too easy uh, for me. But I was able to, you know, I had blocks for it. The only time I have trouble is if I'm flying in a very weird flight that's going funky and it's packed and you know i'm getting a little adrenalized and a little nervous you know uh that's when i would most want uh an alcoholic beverage at that point what
2: would it be mine mine would have been a bloody mary for sure
1: the only thing i can like i i could live in a winery or a a distillery and would never have a sip i don't relate to anything but a like a mexican beer like a four percent beer i don't know if Mm-hmm. Should I be in AA? I mean, we've been my sponsor.
2: Yeah, I'll be your sponsor. It's <laughs> funny you say distillery. My mother, God rest her, she, 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 she get a sandwich, She You smell like a distillery.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we all, just, yeah, I had my childhood should not be talked about in public. It's it, My dad was a piece of work, but anyway. That's why we are the way we are. I think so. You, the the one, couple things I'm interested in lately is just. What is drive? How can you identify it? Is there just, what are the layers of drive? Because I'm interested as, I, as I'm i at an age where I see friends and siblings. I see people, you know, I have data now. We mm-hmm. all have data about choices we made and stuff. And it's sort of like I sort of check myself because you don't really know. I, I used to think in the 80s, I thought I was so lazy. You know, I should be working on my act every second. But, I, you know, eventually I was doing eight shows a week. So drive is kind of an interesting thing. So when you think about that and think about Rob Lowe, um, one thing about you is you you're comprehensive. You you do everything and you've done it for a long time and you're still incredibly active. How much is the, what how do you categorize yourself in the drive spectrum? I mean, oh, I like, mean, are you a seven out of 10? Are you eight out of 10? I mean, who like a 10 would be maybe Trump. I don't know. Just maybe hate him, but the guy is like, and really Biden, I mean, just running, getting a facelift at 75 and running for president at 79. I mean, that's drive,
2: you know? I see. Here's the thing. If, if the scale is one to 10 on drive, that's just wor-
1: arbitrary. Yeah. yeah
2: just my my worry is that 10 would be someone who has no balance in their life. Right. And I'm Too much, yeah. I'm super, super disciplined. About mm-hmm. having balance in my life, right? So I mean, I have I do my me time, I do my family time. Work isn't the most important thing, not even close. Mm-hmm. But with that as the caveat, I think I'm a 10 out of 10.
1: Yeah. Well, as our, our mutual manager is uh, you know pr- pretty amazed by your energy and, and your uh, love of work. You know, but I'm the same as you. I mean, because we have two sons. I have two sons and my wife. And that's that is my world. I know it's like a, this is where we need Oprah to pop in. You know? Yeah. The quote I came with, and it's, it's just about peace of mind, because you when you live a big life and I mean, if you have a family, you know, yep. or if you have a career, it doesn't matter what level you're at. Yep. And so when you live a big life, you're you know, I would say having kids for me emotionally, it was my heart was on the outside and there was a lot of sharp objects around. Um, and I, you know, I was from the 60s, early 70s paradigm, you know, tough PE coach, tough this and that. So then we landed in the first wave. I don't want the wave hit of every kid gets a trophy and mom and dad has friends, but we were in that culture. But all that being said, I, you know, this is how I process it for myself is that children give more than they take and they take everything. <laughs> 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 so just uh you know that floated around enough that adam mckay came up to me and said did you think of this you know it's just a way to process what look if, if we were pioneer dads and there were 12 kids and we'd lose four of them mm-hmm. but when you have two kids and then you bring in uh fame and wealth you know and then it's like we we didn't have that so I, I feel like it's a it's a whoop de doo Put it that way. You well, know, it's, a, it's a thing.
2: And one of the things I am really proud of my boys is they 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 grew up in an incredibly privileged, you know, atmosphere. I did my best to make to to get them out of Hollywood. So we moved to Santa Barbara and, you know, their their friends circle or not. Show business, there was no show business people really around, and so it was as normal as I could do it. But like, they're like actual working, driven human beings. You know, they have like real jobs, and like most people should. And you know, and and I, y- there's plenty of sh- second generation in every department um, of, of people of privilege, and they don't have it. They don't have the. the so I don't know if it's in, they were born with it, if I did some good parenting, or if it's luck, or 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 what.
1: I look at it, a development of a person it's a three legged stool you know it's their genetics mm-hmm. physically and brain wise the the parental atmosphere and then the culture yep. so based on when I've seen your sons just casually around on shows with you, yeah, they just cut that you could tell immediately they're not spoiled Hollywood kids at all you know so that that really was a red line for me always in once in a while we were fortunate enough to be on a private jet with them, and the flight attendant will always say, boy, they're so well-behaved. And I just thought, who are the ones that are not well-behaved? That seemed like just a no brainer because if someone's bringing you a banana split on a G four and you're watching Lord of the Rings, (laughs) (laughs) I remember looking at this and going, this is not, so they're, they're very polite and, and nice people. So I, I like that about them. And, uh, the adventure continues, maybe we should uh, talk about the weird place, the thing I did with my sons. Yeah, this is
2: the perfect segue. So I know how how did you come up with the idea of doing this amazing podcast? And was it a family thing? Was it there? Give me the background.
1: Yeah, the background is, is that like I'm sure you are, uh, Rod Serling, Twilight Zone. Oh, in love with the show. And so when they got to a certain age, you know, I bought the whole all the seasons on DVD. So they would watch it and fall in love with it, which was so much fun. Cause it's such sophisticated storytelling, cover mm-hmm. what you wish for. Oh. So Flash Later, um, we my son Tom has a this brilliant idea which I loved about a heavy metal band. Their songs are all about Satan come Satan, and then Satan arrives. Mm. <laughs> so, so we we shot a short film around that in one location. It's like twenty minutes long. It's pretty cool, but I'd never directed before. But we, you know, I was watching um, a lot of Tarantino then. So there's a fight scene. We wanted to top Tarantino for hits. <laughs> Amazing. So he's beating the demon with a hammer. We went like seventy two times. So anyway, we, we did that. But that kind of was you know, put aside and then we just thought that's such a cool twilight zoning thing. We just got into the twilight zone idea. We pitched it on a zoom to Netflix, but I said to my, I said to everyone who was involved on the zoom, I go, we're nowhere right now. So they're not going to put 30, 40 million on us. And they politely passed, you know, because it's, it's a big commitment, you know? Yeah. 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 So then, you know, I was hanging out with Conan O'Brien and Team Coco, you know, yep. and I sort of mentioned it to them and they thought it was a cool idea. What we wanted, we wanted to bring Rod back. We felt that you needed Rod's voice. And so audio was perfect for it because to do the visual, you know, you'd have to hire, what's it, Justin Thoreau? Uh, is that his name? Yeah,
2: um, looks just like him.
1: And I, I, I do Rod, Rod's our narrator. And then what we found out was that scripted audio comedy podcast, there's never been a hit one. And we realized we had to kind of learn a different way. We, you couldn't relate it to 1940s radio. Oh, it's just like old timey radio. Yeah, that was when there was nothing else to do. That's right. <laughs> except look at the radio. That's right. So we kept doing it and doing it over and over again until it felt satisfying and we realized that it had to have Clarity as King, way more than even a regular movie, a comedy movie or something like this. There's a the bad guy. It was just like so we we really had fun with the exposition, but we kept making sure that if someone dropped out, they'd love it. And then we did three primary stories. One is a submarine, nuclear submarine, 1966, goes back in time and mm. in an underwater time portal and surfaces in 1738, sees a pirate ship, doesn't know what's going on. Uh, the other one is this, this kind of nerdy guy. <laughs> anyway, this this shy man gets a globe at a knick-knack store and it's a magic globe. And so when he touches it, it affects the real world. And a lot of stuff happens from that. And the other one was... Uh, about a very adorable little alien that's sent to Earth to befriend a human being and get them to help them make a bomb-making a bomb. So he pretends that he eats bomb-making materials to this old lady, and she gets it, all this stuff for him: ammonium nitrate and all that stuff.
2: What, what's the tone? Is it comedy or is it is it like the because Twilight Zone could be funny, but I don't look at Twilight Zone as being funny. It was no. like, m- creepy and scary, whatever.
1: Yeah. So they had one where cruise ship was on it or a guy had a haunted car. It had a little Twilight Zone music. It was funny. The good news was that we had all the lush orchestral and spooky music from the 50s, 60s. And so we use that. We we make it kind of PG and it's funny, but there's no winking and no real joke. It's all character driven. Mm -hmm. So it's a frequency that just pleased us. Um, We over time we fell in love with it because I do harbor in rhythms and musicality. And I like things that are just inexplicable. Uh, And so over time, it just makes you laugh more the more you hear it, you know? Yes, for sure. You could say without any comparison, Monty Python harbored in that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it was just part of their, part of their genius. And same thing with Peter Sellers. So we love it. It's 70 minutes. And then there's a companion piece called talking weird, where we meet some of the, voice actors, and Rod hosts that show as well. And we think people will like it.
0: Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number.
2: Give me a little Rod. You know, like, break it out, baby.
1: Well, well, one thing was is that, first of all, we realized that we always heard Rod through the television. So what we did was we put a vinyl thing on it as far as sound effects on my voice, Yeah, a vinyl aspect, compression, a little bit of treble.
2: Mm-hmm. And then you,
1: you did kind of, uh, his catchphrase was, I'm Rod, I'm back. Can you dig it? That's amazing.
2: Danny Aykroyd used to do a great Rod Serling.
1: Oh, yeah. And I probably did it in the 70s, probably copying Dan Aykroyd. But it's just great to have a narrator and scripted podcasting and his, his gravitas and having fun with it. So it's not scary in that way. There's some exciting moments. I don't know. It's hard to describe it, but it's free <laughs> and it'll be out Halloween.
2: Even I was going to say it's not
1: real Halloween show per se, but it has supernatural sci-fi fantasy elements.
2: I was going to say this is a perfect Halloween thing. And it, and see, this yeah. is why I should have been in marketing.
1: I know we missed it. Well, you should have had Rob's pancakes and burgers in I West mean, Hollywood, 1977.
2: Can you imagine? Yes. Wear my dolphin shorts and run up and down Santa Monica Boulevard selling hot dogs.
1: <laughs> well, one thing I did do, you know, uh, I used certain voices and made them characters. You know, I did a little bit of. Uh, Peter Lorre, for a kind of this guy who likes the cannon, you know. It's, yes, you know, I like to like, I like to like to fuse, you know. And it just became this abstract character. Um, And then other ones were just from people I know, I extrapolate. I did one based on you. You did not. Oh, uh, I'm, you know what? You would have been great as the captain of the submarine.
2: I did, it's funny, I did my very first. Episode of The Simpsons last week. I'd never been asked to be on The Simpsons. It's I've 20- never
1: been asked. Were you doing Rob Lowe? No,
2: um, no. I played a character. I play um, the mayor's smarmy, manipulative um, cousin.
1: And what 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 was your voice? Did you use your own voice, or did you stylize? It? I, I
2: find with these things sometimes I like to go in and not think about it, and then whatever mm-hmm. comes out. I, right. I, I I have the. At this point, I have the confidence to just wing it sometimes, and then whatever comes out com- comes out. That's mm-hmm. what I did with Behind the Candelabra when I did that character. I didn't, oh yeah, really know what that voice was going to be until it kind of happened. But
1: yeah, but I know what you mean. Where, you, where you're sort of thinking about a voice or a person, you, you're not. You don't have to do it completely accurately, but that's a, a taking off point. You know.
2: Well, when I did um, Behind the Candelabra, I realized I was doing the guy who did the commercials. For the men's warehouse, you're gonna like the way you look.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I,
2: I realized that's yeah, what yeah. I was you know, you yeah. go, oh I, I know a little know. more of that. You're gonna
1: like the way you're gonna yeah. like the way you look. Yeah. That's the thing about you, is that you're kind of I wouldn't say this literally, but you're sort of like a character actor trapped in a leading man's body, kind of Thank you. I think that, you know, I could see you. I mean, you have played Kennedy and stuff, but you haven't mm-hmm. really done a full Gary Oldman, oh, you know. Oscar-winning, you know, I would love to do one of those, and I I love that performance. You know, of you wore some Oman. good
2: prosthetics in the in the the Dana Carvey show, didn't you? Or am I imagining Yeah, in, that? in sketches.
1: Yeah, and I and honestly, I did the McLaughlin Group and stuff like that. I did a picture <laughs> one. I mean, that's the sort of a very very interesting character. You know, that was just a beautiful song to play, and that was Robert Spiegel. Really, that was the that was a gift from him. Usually I would do, if I had writing, I would do the rhythm, but he was going, but that was, that was an intense, uh, character to do because he was driving the whole thing. If you remember it in a semicircle. Uh, oh yeah. He was just, you know, nicknaming everybody. It took a lot of, a lot of ab strength. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't really miss it in, in a sense. You know, I love doing, you know, obviously Paul McCartney, you know, Not so good. She had in the Zoom, you know, and I do even the way he is now, you know. He talks to Rob, you know. He does a lot of things, you know. He does the commercials for the Direct TV. They put a makeup. He's like a carpenter or something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> which I probably did last time, but I do do. Give me a news story, and I'll tell you as a, as a Beetle. No matter what the news story is, it'll sound better.
2: The Alaskan king crab season has been called off this year because there aren't <laughs> enough crabs.
1: So they went out there, you know. He was go catch some crabby. You know, we come up. It's just a hook, just a hooker. And there's no crab, you know. they so said, we go home. We cry on a milk. We go to the wifey. There's no crab tonight because there's no one there. You know, they ran away beneath the sea, you know. I don't know. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a very specific one. You know,
2: I, I, I'm, not, you know, specific is where it's at. Um, I know we talked about it. We had to have the last time you were on this. By the way, you're the first person I've had twice on the show. Congratulations. I am so excited.
1: I was very flattered.
2: It's people love it. It's one of our, our biggest um, and episodes. And you were
1: great on our show. I could have talked to you uh, because you immediately came out with like, who has the best hair in Hollywood? It was like, and you were on fire, and you had great thoughts about it.
2: Oh, you know, listen, and, don't get me started on people's hair.
1: Well, the best hair in the history of Hollywood, or Jigir, or was it? You know, I don't know. Uh,
2: I mean, <laughs> the problem is you can have hair that's too good. Mm. And then people are convinced you're wearing a wig. Who would that be? Jason Bateman.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, Jason has an incredible head of hair. Oh, he's a hedgehog. Oh, <laughs> I know. I hope I didn't offend him. I was on Jimmy Kimmel hosting, and the young woman who's brilliant, who uh, yeah, Julia Garner. Yeah, she was brilliant. She's so great. I did like a mini impression of of Jason on on Ozarks, and it was like, Wendy, hear me out, and that was it. You know, <laughs> so I don't know if Jason. <laughs>
2: But they could also be Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Wendy, hear Andy, me out.
1: Hear me out. Not a lot of not not a lot of Jacks lately. But he, what a voice he had. He was. He was amazing. But now he's like you know, we watched The Departed the other night. We said, "What are we going to watch?" You know, you watch things with your wife. Yes, of course. I'm going. Well, let's watch The Departed. So, he was he was very brilliant in that. He did his whole Jack thing. Did the little rat face. He does
2: his thing. He are does. You- he, um was yeah so but hair we're back on hair though
1: Jason Bateman looks like he has a hairpiece cuz he has such great hair Gr- Yeah it's
2: too good <laughs> I saw him at a at a at a party and I was like your hair's too good I I ran my I ran my fingers through it I did I was like I got to I'm going to check you
1: secretly thinking you find some glue or a strap or something How did uh, he take the uh, Rob Lowe's hand in his head
2: well, it was late in the night so I think we were all yeah. all we did was talk about golf really well, I, I, I'm, I'm a huge Jason Bateman fan.
1: Massive Jason well, Bateman. Well, yeah. you know what he did with Ozark, and directing and Ugh. acting. Uh, it's unbelievable. He's he just perfect. He was just—it's like a perfect performance.
2: Yeah, that that show is that shows uh, just an un- unbelievable That's the kind
1: of thing I'm just saying to Ted Sarandos, everybody else. We like shows like that where you just—the first episode, you're completely you're in. in. He's in Chicago, oh. and it was such a great character. He's about to get killed, and the way, just over and over again, he just like, "Well, wait, just, 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 just hear me out for a second. Hold on, you <laughs> know that." And he was so great at it. It's like
2: <laughs> it was so. Uh, that first episode is so good.
1: Yes, like it's like
2: you're not. There's no way you watch that first episode of Ozark and go, "Yeah, it's not for me." There's just no way. You're yeah. like, I'm in.
1: And Laura Linney went downtown. I mean, she went yeah, she's down a cr- as a character. She's a crusher, though. She's, yeah, she, she just went to this other thing. So those things are magic, you know. But as far as the best hair I've seen, uh, mm, Brad Pitt has a pretty good head
2: of oh, hair. Oh, he's got really good hair. He's no, got really no, no good hair. There, are you, are you down thing. with the loose-fitting clothes now, though? Are you, does, that, does that speak to you? His new loose-fitting, drawstring pant, tuxedo look?
1: (laughs) I don't know. You know, I only have 20 of these shirts and some cords from Banana Republic. So I always – I was allergic to any kind of whatever fame I had. So I always wanted to be as invisible as possible personally, and it's not a problem anymore. I mean, I'd be out here with the hat on in Hollywood. My wife goes. I I don't think anyone's noticing you, which is fine. I get it. You know, I'm still not facing the crowd. But yeah, um, Brad seems to have um, someone who gets clothes for him and someone who gets shoes and goes. Oh, you look so cool in those. I don't know. That's what my assumption is. He's the, you know, has a dresser who's going. You can rock those. And when you're in the room and there's three people dressing you. Oh, get out of town, man. That's the best. And then he's going. Well, these are incredibly comfortable. I'll give him that, but yeah, I mean, I, it draws listen, attention I, though. It's put together a little bit, so it makes sure I go to it. You know? Yeah,
2: I mean, listen, I, 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 if it's good enough for Brad Pitt, it's good enough for me, is the way I look at it. Another, well, another Midwestern boy done well, a Missouri boy, Missouri. Yeah.
1: I, I went downtown with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think might have been oh. my age, or a lot of us did. And I ran, you know, uh, a lot of comedians saw it 10, 11 times. Really? Yeah. Over a period of time, because I went to the Arclight to see it. And the first time I saw it, you know, I was like, oh, OK, liked it. You know, then I thought a couple of days later, kept I saw it again. The second time I was like, "Oh, OK, this this thing is so dense.
2: Why is it? It's so true. And I think Quentin's good movies, most of them are gr- great movies, are like that. I, I went to the premiere. It's the, I haven't gone to a movie premiere in years. I just don't do it anymore. And I went to that one. Um, and it was amazing. It was the, the, the man's Chinese, and it was like it it's it that movie. that movie is unbelievable. Leo is so they're so good in it, it's insane.
1: Yes, and then you watch it for different people, yes. you know, like Pacino. At first I wasn't noticing Pacino because I'm noticing Leo and Brad and their brilliant connection. Mm-hmm. Gina, 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 the woman in the mystic light. I'm looking for a very handsome cowboy man. Is that your son? You yeah. know. I yeah. try. I you know? try. You, you, you want me to go to Italy and do Italian movies? <laughs> oh, you can win fights. Robert Conrad in his tight little pants. I mean, it's just like it's music to me. What'd that guy say to you in there? Says I'm a goddamn been.
2: <laughs> do you find that actors sometimes get... Like, they play a part that breaks through so big time, and they, they never... In everything you see them subsequently, there's an element of that character. Like, I... I think it was Tree of Life, a Quentin, Ter- uh, uh, sorry, Terrence Malick movie I saw, which is very, mm-hmm. very divisive. Yeah, um, I liked it. Um, Terrence Brad-
1: Malick is someone you you need to, you know. I saw the was it the Red Line, you know, Thin this, Red Line. He's an artist, you know.
2: Yeah, but Brad was doing the the Bruce Springsteen. Is it an underbite or an overbite? I can never tell which one Bruce it is. Bruce is under, yeah, underbite. So he's, he and and that was the first time you saw the Brad Pitt underbite. And and like and it's kinda there now in everything. And
1: I know that he did it in uh in Glorious, Glorious Bastards. Oh, he big was kind of doing you know, it was really theatrical. It was right on the edge of yes. you know, uh oh okay, we're just gonna just go there and commit to it. Yeah. So. Yeah, but
2: the 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 underbytes debut was in yeah. um in huh. uh <laughs>
1: You are a keen observer.
2: <laughs> I, I am. I have nothing you better are. to do with my life. Observe. Well, that's
1: what what a performer, and actor is, right? Just because you sensitive. never know when you're
2: going to use it. You never go like, I'll, I'll steal. I'll, I'll steal it in two seconds if I have to. There's a moment for me to steal. And you steal from the best.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that Tarantino, from his last four or five movies, yeah, he just went to a, kind of a, another level. And I guess he's not going to maybe do another one. I don't know. Hard, hard to compete with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Really yeah, hard,
2: for sure. Um,
1: my guest today has been Rob Lowe. And uh, no, it's
2: my podcast. No, it's I have me. a
1: thing. I've told you it's called Podcast Podcast. You know, how I asked you a few questions to make yes. it seem okay. My guest today has been Rob Lowe.
2: Uh, always the best, Dana Carvey, ladies and germs.
1: Thanks, Rob. I enjoyed it.
2: Dana Carvey of the Weird Place. New podcast coming out for Halloween. Halloween. Um, yeah, I mean he's he's the best, and he, and he does look like Daryl Hall now. How he do, how how he doesn't do an. I can't go for that impersonation. I don't know. I'm gonna have him work on that for the next time he's here. Until then, you know what time it is. It's time to check the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally. And our lowdown line, where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep.
0: Hi, Rob. My name is Haley. I'm from Seattle, Washington. My question for you is, do you think a star can still be an icon, or are the days of a true icon over? Love the show, and so does my mom, Jan.
2: Thanks. Bye. Haley, great question. Hi, Jan. That's such a great question. I mean, it's one of those things that no matter what I answer, I have kind of a vested interest in the, in the, in the answer. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think you—honestly, I, I think you're, you and your mom are the ones who can answer that question. Really. You're the audience. That said, everything happens so fast today— The good news is you can get world, world, world famous immediately. The bad news is it used to be that you had to work for that to happen. So you had something to fall back on. You had a body of work. People got to know you. You developed a relationship over time. And now it's also instantaneous that if it goes away, and it always does, all careers have – Ebbs and flows, you may not have anything in the bank to bring you back, so only time will will tell I mean there's a lot of talk that you know we're living in the last generation of of real stars um I think that's true in the sense of what that definition has been traditionally for sure um but it it it's it's an it's a super interesting question I mean. Everything is so, oh, the other thing is everything is so segmented. Like whatever your niche is in comedy and drama and programming and music, you because of the internet and social media, you can find your niche and just live in your own little niche. And so there the broad star that transcends the niches is super, super hard. Like my sons and people younger than than they are have actors that they're obsessed with that I've never even heard of. And that kind of thing was impossible up until the last few years. So I think it is going to be harder and harder and harder for there to be universal, universal, multi-generationally accepted stars. I hope that was a good answer. Great question. I will see you next week on Literally. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Rob Schulte with help from associate producer Sarah Bagar. Our research is done by Alyssa Grahl. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. All
0: of the music on this podcast was composed by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe.
2: This has been a Team Coco production in association with
0: Stitcher.